When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hey, and how about this? I got my prediction half right. Uh, did you say commanders at the, a- at, the, at the spread? I think you said it was going to be close from memory. I... I- I, I said commander I my my actual bet was and I did have money on this last night uh, be, before I left the state of Illinois I I did slap uh, slip this bet in yesterday uh commanders plus six and a half first half aha uh-huh. because I thought this was going to be a game for the first half I thought the commanders would be close because they're a sneaky good team you don't think of them but yeah they've, they've had some moments this year. And I thought first half that they they could keep it close. Now I thought the Eagles would would get the job done and wind up winning the game, and mm-hmm. that certain prediction certainly didn't didn't come true. But yeah, I mean the Commanders, wow, what a what a win! And you want to you want to talk about a blueprint to beat the beat the Philadelphia Eagles? Teams are going to look at this, especially for the next four weeks. Because you you saw how how you have success against the Eagles, how how do you stop Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles offense? You plant their asses on the sidelines for forty minutes of a sixty minute game. Exactly That's what wrong. the Commanders did last night. They, they the Eagles defense could not get off the field last night at all. It was a fantastic display, and I think namely just from their rushing players as well, like. Brian Robinson Jr., 26 carries, 86 yards for one touchdown. Antonio Gibson got in on the act as well. Um, you know, and, and Terry McLaurin, from a, from a receiving perspective, he just kept catching, kept gaining yards, kept catching, kept gaining yards, 128 yards with an average of 16 yards per catch. And um, was it probably, mm-hmm. I think from a Philly perspective, Chris, was it probably one of the more quiet games we've seen from, from Jalen Hurts? Well, yeah, I mean, by by definition, it kind of would would have to be, be because he wasn't out there. Yeah, exactly. I, the the commanders the commanders had forty minutes and twenty four seconds time of possession. It was worse in the first half. Uh, the commanders were on offense for twenty four minutes of thirty. The Eagles were only playing offense for just a little over six minutes of the first half. You can't do anything when your offense is sitting on the sidelines, cooling its jets. That I there there was one one sequence one uh, period of time where the Eagles' offense was off the field for 25 actual uh, real time minutes. Wow, 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 wow! That doesn't happen a lot. And that's that's just I mean, that's just all and, about and taking care of the ball, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, here were here were their first the commanders' first half drives. After their opening drive fumble, which set Philadelphia up great field position 
wind up going in for a touchdown. Mm -hmm. Their four scoring drives in the first half, 13 plays, 75 yards, 7 minutes, 21 seconds, touchdown to tie the game. Eagles respond with a touchdown of their own in you know a, a nine-play drive, but only took three and a half off the clock. Commander's next drive, down 14-7, 12 plays, 49 yards, six minutes and 30 seconds. Six and a half minutes to go 49 yards and kick a field goal. Their next drive, after intercepting Hurts, 16 plays, 86 yards, 7 minutes, 4 seconds for the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, the touchdown, that ultimately, uh, they, they took the lead, never relinquished it from that point. Then at the end of the half, 8 plays, 30 yards, minute 6, kicked a field goal, 2014 at halftime. That was the commander's that, – that was their, those were their drive charts for, for the first half last night. Long, long scoring drives. They had the, they uh, were on the field for I counted this up earlier uh, twenty four thirty six fifty three plays in the first wow. half they wow, ran wow, fifty three wow. offensive plays in the first half ran eighty one for the game they were twelve of twenty one on third down and those are just absolute killers for for a for a defense's morale for a team's morale. When you get your opposition in third down and you cannot stop them, and they wind up getting the first half. Twelve third down conversions last night for Washington. The, the run defense for, for um, Philadelphia gave up 152 yards on the ground. Uh, Jordan Davis, rookie defensive tackle Jordan Davis, he was a big miss last night for Philadelphia, and he's out until week 13. At least, mm-hmm. so their their next handful of opponents, next three four opponents, they're going to take a look at that tape and go, okay, let's hand the ball off and run it down their throats and, and see if they can stop it. That might be the blueprint for success against the Philadelphia Eagles, certainly for the next three weeks. That might be a bit of a weakness they've got right now uh, in the short term that teams can take advantage of. Absolutely. Okay, so we, we look at their next fixture, the Eagles, and look, I mean, travelling on the road to Indian Indianapolis to, to Lucas Oil, uh, you know, Indianapolis 4-5-1, and one, fairly off off that loss. You, you would th- you would think it, it should be a get-right game for the Philadelphia Eagles, but maybe now that, that we've seen what the blueprint is to beat them, as you were saying, with what the commanders did, take care of the ball, keep the offense of the Eagles on the pine, maybe the Colts can potentially cause the upset. Personally, I don't think they will because I think the commanders are a little bit of a class above the Colts, but but stranger things have happened. Yeah, and you can't tell me, Jeff Saturday, the, the new coach at Indianapolis, coming off his debut victory, uh, victory in his debut Sunday against Las Vegas, and he's not going to look at that tape and go, okay, Steady diet of Jonathan Taylor and tell my boys on the O-line because Saturday, the former offensive lineman, he was uh, Peyton Manning's center for a number of years. Can't think he's not you know, sitting in his office this morning licking his chops going, all right, offensive line, uh, get, let's get this done. Let's, let's, let's go out there and beat some heads, hand all off to Jonathan Taylor and shove the ball down their throat all day on Sunday. That's got to be the game plan. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, let, let's move away from that game. And I wanted to go back over a team, 
that just continues to get the job done. Now, to a return from the concussion, and we all saw how sickening it was, but the Miami Dolphins, I mean, seven and three on top of its division as it currently stands. I'm going to, I'm going to play this audio because this is what I think is happening. Uh, This is what I think is happening with the, uh, with uh, with the Miami Dolphins at the moment, uh, Chris. Just just bear with me for one moment. Well, that's the story of my okay. life. No respect. Gotta go no respect. <laughs> hey. Thank you. Yeah. No respect. That's the story of their life. They got no, no respect. I got no respect around here. No respect at all. No respect. Yeah. That. Yeah. Call them Rodney Dangerfield. The Miami Dolphins. Absolutely, you can put them put them into that category. They're seven and three. Two a should be in the MVP conversation. At least he should get some votes because if there is anything that more defines what a valuable player is in a in a in a team, uh, it's Tua Tagovailoa. He is seven and zero as a starter this year. Games that he starts and finishes, the Dolphins are seven and zero, and they're zero three in the others. Exactly, he's just been fantastic for. And they put. They put 39 up Sunday against, okay, it's the Cleveland Browns. Still got to do it, think. though. Well, they're, yeah, but 39 points against a profession, against a bunch, bunch of guys who are actually getting paid to play football, that's that's pretty impressive, no matter how bad the team actually looks on the field. But, yeah, Tua, his numbers, 25 of 32. That's, you know, a little over 75% completion percentage. 70% completion percentage is fantastic in the NFL. 285 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Jeff Wilson, 119 yards on the ground. Uh, just, it, it's a complete team over there, certainly on offense. And, and they kept the, the Browns running game, which is a strength, uh, pretty well in check in that game. Uh, I'm pulling up the stats right now, and they... You know, they held Browns to 112, 112 yards, yeah, about 112. five yards yeah. a carry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not bad. I, it, it's it's a it's a reasonable number, and they had complete control of the game uh, throughout. Yeah, and and, uh, and on, let's on let's Sunday. say so, that, I mean, that's an impressive piece. Cleveland, Cleveland did get a junk time touchdown in the final period, which was I mean, game was pretty much done and dusted then. So, I mean, does it really count? Maybe yes, in yeah. the scheme of things, it does, but. The game was done and dusted by then. Miami dominated and on top of its division. And I mean, it's hi ho, everybody, up and away for, for the Dolphins. It's it's you know gonna be hard for it's gonna be hard for any team to to stop Miami, I think, at the moment, even though the form might be against teams that, you know, are of the lesser likes in in this NFL. But has hey, all you can do is win. All you can do is win. Um shall we maybe just touch on yeah, I think sh- yeah, shall, real quick, real, yes, go, real go. quick. Real, real quick, just to throw this out there, shh, the Miami Dolphins are in first place. Yes, exactly. In the AFD. I know. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, they just passed Buffalo because Buffalo's now lost two in a row. Maybe you know, looking a little bit weaker. I, I don't think so, but Have, at least there's warning signs. Can yeah, I? Miami sitting first place, half a game up on the Jets and the Bills. So. That that race is tightened. The whole AFC race is tightened up. Crazy. Can I can I ask you a question about have we been conned by the Bills? No, I don't think so. Okay. They're they're a good team. They're a good offense with a good de- they're a good offense with a good defense. 
that they are as complete a team as anybody in the NFL. The, the Bills have just, you know, the last couple of weeks, they've just gotten snake bit a little bit, all right? They lost by three at MetLife against a pretty good Jets team, and they lost by three at home to a really good Minnesota Vikings team in a, in a game that had a confluence of crazy events that could have absolutely gone either way. The Bills had that game one, two, or three times. So did the Vikings. So it, it was just a crazy game. They're, they're still one of the best teams in the AFC. They're still a Super Bowl contender. I, I don't believe we've been conned at all. We know what they are. They just, the last couple of weeks, got hit with a little bit of bad luck, and that happens to every team. I'm thinking it could be one of those games where opponents come up against the Bills and and they maybe lose a game that the Bills get away with one, and I can just envision. I'm 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 trying to in in envisage the the post game press conference. The Bills are who we thought they were. They're who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Maybe that's going to happen with me. Yep. <laughs> maybe. All right, Jenny Green. We'll, we'll go with that. Uh, by the way, the by the by the way, the Bills. I remember that presser. I was living in Arizona at the time. Oh, were you really? Uh, I remember that presser. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I remember after that Monday night game against a really good Bears team. It was the Bears, Cardinals wasn't it? Yes, yes, yes. Had the game. Yes, it was. Yeah, because that was the year the Bears were the Bears were really a good team that year. And come into Arizona on Monday night, Arizona controlled it until right at the end, and Denny Green went off in the press conference. By the way, Buffalo on Sunday, they play they host Cleveland. So it could be a get-right game for Buffalo. The thing is, take a look at the weather forecast for Buffalo this week. Okay, let me let me have a let me have a Google search here because I'm usually I'm usually doing the Google search Melbourne weather because I don't know what it's ever ever doing. The Buffalo weather this week, <laughs> right? S- snow. Uh, yes, lots <laughs> and lots of snow. Three words you never want to you never like to hear: lake effect. No. Okay. Wow. Buffalo is notorious for this. There was a storm several years ago, and, and I had been through Buffalo like about three days before this storm hit uh, that wound up dumping about two meters of snow on wow. parts of Buffalo. Sheesh. Yeah. Buffalo gets snowed on, and they're talking about a couple of feet of snow uh, in parts of Buffalo this week uh, leading up to Sunday afternoon's game against uh, for Buffalo against Cleveland. So uh, it could be a really interesting look at Orchard Park for that game between Buffalo and Cleveland Sunday. It, it'll it'll be worth tuning in to see. If, if this storm materializes, it could be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, interesting. We might have to... Um... We might have to get this gentleman out on the ground. Oh, Mr. Plow, that's my name. That name again is Mr. Plow. <laughs> we might have to get Mr. Yeah. Plow out on the ground, I reckon, if that happens. Yes. Might have. Hey, hey! I, about 40 years ago, there was a game up in New England, Miami and – it was Miami and New England. Mm. And late in the fourth quarter, the, I, it had been snowing all, all through the day. Field was covered. And – the Patriots line up for a late field goal attempt and they had the snow plow driver, the snow brush driver, because it was a, an AstroTurf field had, had him come out and clear one of the yard lines. Well, he kind of detoured and, and ran the brush over where they were. The Patriots were going to kick a field goal, kick the field <laughs> goal and, and cleared the field. 
winds up kicking a field goal. Yeah, it was an inmate. It was an inmate on work release who did this. Who oh, was driving was, oh, the, wow, the really? snow brush and, <laughs> and and and, and oh. came, came across, cleared a pass. New England kicked the field goal, wins the game. There you go. There you go. Uh, just before we get to a break, Chris, uh, Dean off the text line, and this this actually jigged my memory a little bit because my old man used to talk about this guy, William Perry, the refrigerator at Chicago. Do you remember him? Oh yes, uh, he he was the one who he he was the one who vultured Walter Payton's touchdown in the Super Bowl against New England, Super Bowl twenty. Because the the uh, the uh, Bears they got it down to the one yard line, and, and you figured you're going to give it to Walter Payton, the legend. Let him get his Super Bowl touchdown. Nope, they call the play, handed off to William the Refrigerator Perry. <laughs> All three hundred and forty pounds of him lined up at fullback. Uh, there there were there were lots of Patriots. When, when that play happened, they were making what, what you would generously term business decisions. <laughs> yes, exactly uh, right. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, well, listen, we're getting our asses blown out. We're, <laughs> we are not going to tackle this guy. Just let him store. <laughs> um, all right, Chris. Because trying to tackle Perry is like, yeah, trying to tackle Perry, it's like trying to tackle a refrigerator. You can't. It ain't happening. It's not happening. Exactly right. No. Exactly right. Um, all right, let's take a break, Chris. Uh, on the other side of the break, um, we, I mean, we'll get away from, I mean, we, we obviously love having a, a great chat and love having a laugh, but um, there was some shocking, shocking news out of the University of of, uh, of Virginia that, um, that we'll get onto on the other side of the break, Chris. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, just uh, not... Not great. Um, we'll have a chat about it on the other side of the break. But uh, if you are, I mean, just just a, a listener's discretion as well. Um, there's a little bit of a tragedy that occurred um, over at the University of, of Virginia. Um, and we'll get to that on the other side of the break. So I think we'll give the audience just a break. Just if they want to have a listen to it, you can come on. But um, yeah, just listener discretion advice, of course. Um, but, um, yeah, just some, some horrible news out of the University of Virginia. Um, you're listening to the Overnight Crowd here on SEN, your home of sport. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, Christopher Darnell Jones is his name. He's 22 years old. He was arrested yesterday morning uh, after about a 12-hour manhunt. The, the incident happened Sunday night on a charter bus. A uh, group of uh, students from the University of Virginia had had gone to gone to a play and gone out to dinner they chartered a bus and were back at campus when when the shooting apparently happened uh but yeah three killed two two injured the last reports i saw one's listed in good condition one is listed in critical condition uh but yeah just just an unspeakable tragedy for for the the university of virginia for the charlottesville virginia community and Ah, uh, it, it's it's one of those stories you hate talking about. Oh, yeah, shocking. But you know, you know, it's it's it, it's one of those things that just just happens. And you know, there, I I would love to know what what caused it. Hopefully, we'll find out what led to this. Uh, because this, you got three people, three three people cut down before their lives really even started, and we're talking, you know, young men. In their 
early 20s football players looking toward their future with, with a bright future mm. um, in college, getting their education, playing football, and have their entire lives to live and, you know, and, and just cut down senselessly. Yeah, there, there's no other way to put it. I know it's absolutely, and and I mean, we, we I'm just looking and reading through some of the quotes from um, the head football coach Tony Elliott. Um, they touched us, inspired us, and worked incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that it's the the quote here is in in big big bold letters. They were all good kids, um, and it's just it's just an, an unspeakable tragedy that. It's just nothing. I mean, nothing worse than having to be a parent and and having to 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 bury your son or or your daughter. It's just you know, it's it's not the natural way, unfortunately. But it's no. What do you what do you say? What do you say? Yeah, and, and you know, as a father of kids this age, okay, I've got three kids in their early twenties. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, uh, you know, uh, they're not in college. They're they're working real jobs. One of them works a very dangerous job. She's a corrections officer. Oh, wow. Wow. It scares me to death the thought of getting a phone call from out of the blue saying, your daughter's in the hospital. She was attacked at her her job. And and that's exactly what those parents are going through. That That is a phone call you as a parent never want to get, and you're scared to death. That that it, it it could come at any moment, and and for those three families, well, for those five families, because mm. there were five people shot, uh, getting that phone call Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, your your world just crashes down around you. And as a parent, I cannot imagine the pain that that they're going through right now. Yeah. So, um, it, you it, you know you just. You just keep them in your your thoughts and your prayers, and uh, you know, and you know, just hope that they they find they find some find some peace in this uh, this incredibly turbulent time that they're going through right now. Because I I, I would not want to be I would not want to go through that. No. I can't imagine any 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 greater pain in the world than, oh. than to lose a child. And then and then the family of the alleged shooter who has to go through this ordeal as well you know it's just i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's, it sometimes and i think the saying goes sometimes in a tragedy there's there's never any there's never a good place to stand um and and this is one of those cases um so look yeah Uh, the family the family of the yeah the the family of the alleged shooter they they've spoken out and uh kind of Kind of given some insight into into his into into his mind. Uh, said he, you know, that he he was a little, there was some paranoia in there. Thought somebody was out to get him, and uh, yeah, that's that, that's not a good combination uh, when, when you talk about somebody with possible mental health issues mm. uh, with access to to firearms and. The, this this winds up being the end result, and uh, it, it's it's going to be a long road for for everybody involved, but certainly those families. I I can't imagine trying to pick up the pieces from from losing a child. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's an absolute tragedy. So, look um, to cap it off, we just you know obviously uh, you know condolences and 
and and our heartfelt you know uh, emotion and and, and yeah. expressions out here from from Australia. We just hope that hope that they can get through this and we can find a way to find a way to to bring peace. But yeah. um, okay, let, let's get into the on-field stuff now again, Chris. Shall we? Uh, our St. Louis Blues. Uh, just starting to right the wrongs, starting to weave in the ledger up a little bit. A, a very strong win against the Colorado Avalanche. Um, a little bit unexpected, I think, 3-2. But uh, St. Louis Blues, they're up and about. They they are. And, and this, is, this, this is proof. This, this is the what if from back in the spring, okay? Because Colorado and St. Louis played second round of the playoffs last year, okay? Uh, Colorado, of course, went on to win the Stanley Cup, but you know they had to get through the St. Louis Blues, and had to and had to get through. Well, it wasn't Jordan Bennington, the goaltender for the Blues, because Bennington got run into by Nassim Kadri in Game Three, uh, injured his knee, was out for the rest of the series. Last night was the what if? What if Bennington doesn't get hurt in Game uh-huh. Three? Right. I'm firmly convinced if Bennington plays the whole series. The Blues beat Colorado, go on and win their second Stanley Cup. I am firmly convinced of that, and I have my proof now from last night. The Blues win 3-2. Jordan Bennington had 45 saves, and it was a crazy ending to the game because the Blues took two penalties late in the third period, up 3-2. They were facing a 5-on-3 Colorado power play, which turned into a 6-on-3 when the Avalanche pulled their goalie. <laughs> but guess what? Hold on. And the Avs couldn't Hold score. on. Hold on. Hold on. They went and did it. 3-2. It's just all about winning, isn't it? And yeah. especially with the predicament that the St. Louis Blues were in. You know, I mean, the, the last 10. I mean, it's a 3-7 and seven record. But, you know, three wins in a row. And you spoke about this last time we spoke about them. You win one. You win two. And then the momentum starts to build. Now it's three in a row. Big game against mm. the Blackhawks coming up tomorrow. I mean, and, and all you can do is bring in this this winning momentum that, that the St. Louis Blues do. And, and I'll tell you what, I mean, it's it's a really, really, really tight um, central division at the moment. There's, I mean, what is It's three games splitting first to, to, to the Blues. I mean, we've got the Jet Stars, Avalanche, Wild, Blackhawks, Coyotes, mm-hmm. and the Predators. It's nine wins to six wins. It's really, really tight in the Central Division. It, it is. Uh, yeah, there's only seven points separating first and last, and you know, we're still very early in the season. The Blues have, have played 14 games. You know, everybody else played 15, 16, 17 in that range, so we're mm-hmm. talking 65 to 68 games left. Uh you know, losing yeah, the Blues lost eight in a row. Okay, but they they bookended it with a three game winning streak to start the year, and now they're on a three game winning streak. You know, I I think they they've sort of righted the ship a little bit. Uh, now let's let's keep the winning rolling. We'll play in Chicago uh, tomorrow night, four in a row, winning all three on a road trip. That's not easy to do. No, not at uh, all. So things are looking looking okay right now. And remember, the Blues, three years ago, 2018, four years ago, 2018-2019 season, they were dead last in the league on January 1st, and they had a parade down Market Street in June. <laughs> How things can change, hey? How things can change. Okay. Exactly. Um, the LA Kings, uh, I'm just trying to, I think it was Moondog from South Morang over here who asked about, 
the LA Kings. Um, currently second place behind the Golden Knights in the um, Pacific Division with a 10-7 and seven, uh, record sitting on, uh, what are they, 21 points, five points behind the, the high-flying Golden Knights. Um, how have you seen the, the Kings uh, season thus far for Moondog in South Barang over here? Yeah, I mean, they're second, second in the division. Vegas looks really good. Now, despite that loss on Saturday to St. Louis, they're – Vegas is nine and one in their last ten, but uh, LA's three and one. You know that one is an overtime loss. You do get a point when you get to overtime, wind up losing yep. in that in the in overtime or in a shootout. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, they're not a bad team. Uh, goal differential is it, it's they they've given up more than they've scored two goals more than they've scored this year. Um, just looking back at their last games, uh, last night they lose to Calgary six five in Calgary. They're in Edmonton tomorrow night, uh, but you know it snapped a four game winning streak, and all four of those wins were one goal games. You know five four against Florida, one nothing against Minnesota, two one against Chicago, four three against. Uh, Detroit, so they've been in a lot of close games. In fact, their last six games have been one-goal games, um, dating back to a 5-2 loss against Dallas uh, back at the beginning of November. So they've been in a lot of close games, and they're winning them. So, and that that's always a key. How do you handle the close games? And for LA, it's you know they've been pretty good at it. And at uh, winning those close games here, certainly recently. Um, uh, Velarde, he leads the the team in goals. He's got 10. Kevin Fiala, 12 assists, 18 points. He leads the team in, in scoring. Um, um, when you're averaging about a point a game, that's the number you want to be at, uh, certainly for your, your team leader. And that's right where the Kings are. They're, they're, they're a good team. I think they'll be... They'll be right there in the playoff conversation come April. Okay, love it, love it. Okay, just on both conferences, Eastern and Western Western Conference, um, which of the two? I don't know. It might be still a little bit early to tell, but which of the two do you think is the is the stronger side thus far? Because we've seen what the Boston Bruins have been able to do in their first sixteen games. Um, you know, fourteen and two with with twenty eight points to their name and a goal difference of plus plus thirty, and they have they have bolted clear in the Atlantic Division. Uh, how are you seeing the two yeah. Eastern and Western conferences clash up against each other at this point in the season? Yeah, in the East, uh, they've they've got uh, four of the five best teams in the in uh, or five of the best six teams, I guess, in in the uh, the league. They've got Boston at twenty eight points. The the Metropolitan Division as competitive as well. They got three teams over 20 points already, Jersey, the <laughs> Islanders, and Carolina. Um, I, I think the East is slightly better, but I, it's okay. still a close-run thing. Uh, but, you know, Boston, 28 points. They're nine clear. Toronto, don't don't ever sleep on Tampa Bay either. They're, they're sitting third in the Atlantic, 17 points. But Tampa Bay is always I, I hanging around in, in the playoffs. I don't think Remember, we can, I don't think they, we can they sleep. They made three straight Stanley Cup finals. We can never sleep on Tampa Bay on any side of the equation in any kind of NFL or, or hockey. <laughs> Chris, we've got to be or careful. Or baseball, both for that matter. Or, or baseball, yes, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, yeah, Tampa. Tampa's had some good teams. They, they've had some... They've had some good years down in Tampa with in, in, in all their sports, to be honest. 
but yeah, the I mean the East probably slightly better, but uh, it, it's close. Vegas is really good. They they're an incredible team. They're going to be in the President's Trophy conversation all year uh, for best record in the league. So they're they're going to be you know in the in that running with Boston as good as Vegas has started this year. So uh we're still way we're still very early and there there's going to be a lot of fluctuation between now and when the playoffs start in April. We got a long way to go. We do indeed. All right, Chris, um we'll take a quick little break and then on the other side of the break we'll wrap it up with this uh you sent me a little and it was a great read uh about Alabama uh, Alabama and all I miss. Uh, from French, from the French outpost of Rebels fans. This is a fantastic read. Uh, I advise anyone to, to give it a read as well. I'll, I'll put it up on the Overnight Crowd Twitter page. But, uh, Chris, we'll take a break, and then we'll come back and have a chat about this. How does that sound? Sounds good. Beautiful. Done. Uh, you're listening to the Overnight Crowd here on SEN, your home of sport. We'll be back with more after this. Back here on the Overnight Crowd on SEN, your home of sport. Crystal clear through the SEN app and through your digital radio dials. Paul Sebastiani here with you in the SEN studios. If you're just tuning in or if you have been listening throughout the night, Chris Perkins, our US sports correspondent, joins us on the line. We've got around about five minutes left with you, Chris, but uh, we're going to make it a good one because well, you sent me a little link about this incredible tie between Bordeaux in France and uh, and college football. Uh, ex- explain this little story to us. Yeah, I saw this on ESPN.com this morning, and, and it's just it, it's just more proof how small this world has gotten with technology. <laughs> yes, See, because you would not think there would be a link between Bordeaux, France, and Oxford, Mississippi, the home of the University of Mississippi, the Ole Miss Rebels. Okay. But there is. They, there, there's a, a very passionate fan over there, and they profiled this guy by the name of Valentin Joanny. Uh, lives in Bordeaux. He's been a fan of Old Miss since you know the last in the last for the last 15 years. Um, he, he got into into them because he watched a, a movie called The Blind Side, which is the story ah, of Michael Orr, yes. uh, the former offensive lineman. Uh, played at Old Miss, played for Baltimore for a long time, had a movie made about his life. Uh, he had some struggles in his in his younger years. Um, uh, he was adopted by by a family uh, who were Mississippi fans, and mm-hmm. and he became a member of old uh, player at Old Miss and his success. But uh, started you know had been a, the guy had been a college football fan, but got into Old Miss because he watched their game against Alabama that they happen to win against a, a, a great Alabama Crimson Tide team. Uh, so it, it's just, again, it's, it, it's one of those random things. And, you know, the world become, has become smaller with technology. And, and it's kind of similar to, you know, to me and other AFL fans who are in this remote outpost of <laughs> AFL fandom 10,000 miles away from Melbourne. Isn't it amazing? You know, or it's 
or it's like you know, like me, it's kind of like my story with Newcastle United. I became a Newcastle United fan on a Monday night in 1996 when I flipped on at the radio station I worked at, <coughs> flipped on ESPN2, and they had the Newcastle-Liverpool game from Anfield on tape delay on that Monday night, and, and I sat down and watched. It was the first uh, club soccer game I had watched in my life. And it was Newcastle at Anfield against Liverpool. Liverpool winds up winning 4-3 in one of the greatest soccer games you'll ever see. And that's how I became a Newcastle fan. I went to Newcastle a year and a half later, or went to England a year and a half later, saw a Newcastle game at Hillsborough, of all places, against Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Actually got to go on the pitch at, at Hillsborough. Uh, because I screwed up and tried to buy tickets at Hillsborough instead of at Newcastle, and a, a, a nice security guard let me cut through the pitch to get to the ticket office. There you go. Everyone, see, uh, but, everyone's got these amazing obscure stories from from overseas yes. or a team that they might follow overseas. It's just, it's just amazing. Uh, just before we let you go, Chris, and we spoke about this off air. Uh, Dave from Bayswater North. I'm sure he's listening in now. Uh, but just to give him a live answer, he just said, "G'day, lads." I mentioned earlier this year, if Chris is near Tucson, Arizona, last week of January 2023, I'd love to have a beer or two with him. Cheers, Dave, in Bayswater North. Remind me about two weeks out. Okay. So remind me in early January, because with my job, being a truck driver who is over the road, goes across the country, given two weeks' notice to my dispatcher, I can be anywhere in the country. There you so go. Tucson Bang. into January, very doable. Love it. Okay, there you go. Dave in Bayswater North. Uh, if uh, We'll remind you, uh, Chris, two weeks before. So January, the end of January yeah. 2023. Uh, final question. We've got a minute to answer it, uh, Chris. Paul off the text machine. Okay. Uh, ask Chris if Kansas City is still number four on his rankings behind Philly and Bills. Come on, man. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, I got a bump. I, that, that, that's, that is tough because I'm tempted to put Minnesota number one ahead Ooh. of Philly. I, uh, I can't yet because okay. Buffalo, right. <laughs> if we're going to go, if we're going college football playoff ranking style, I got that head to head look to look at. Yes. Yes. Because Buffalo beat Kansas City, remember that. So it, it's close, and it's closer than it was two weeks ago, but not yet. Okay, all right. So the, the, the margin is starting to get finer and finer as we get towards the pointy end of the season. But, Chris, uh, we'll wrap it up yes. there for tonight. Mate, a pleasure as usual. We love chatting, you, love chatting to you in the in the final hour of the overnight crowd. Uh, what's on for the rest of the day? Are you, you, you're driving out. I'm, I'm sure you're, you're going to be driving out. Uh, I'm waiting for a load right now, about nice. 100 miles north of me. i got to check and see if it's ready. If it's ready, I go grab it and go make a delivery, hopefully get it in by uh, get it in uh, today, if not early tomorrow morning. Super stuff, mate. Uh, well, safe travels, uh, and we will chat to you very soon, mate. Pleasure again. Have a good night. You too. There we go. Chris joining us from over in the U.S., as he always does in the final hour of the Overnight Crowd. That is a wrap for another night here on the Overnight Crowd. Paul Sebastiani, it's been a pleasure 
to be with you on the airwaves again uh, tomorrow night. Uh, the overnight crowd, of course, will still be up and about. Uh, SEN, the airwaves are still live. Don't forget as well, this weekend, we cannot wait to bring it to you. The FIFA World Cup. Sunday night into Monday morning, first game between Qatar and Ecuador. It's going to be an absolute cracker. Um, that'll just about wrap it up for now, ladies and gentlemen. Keep on the airwaves. Dave in Bayswater North, no worries. Thank you very much. Hopefully you get to have that beer with Chris over in the US when you venture over there. Have a safe night. Enjoy your Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. All the best. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it. Like, um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.